At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hi there, it's Megan Mitchell from Agents of Change. Thanks for checking out my podcast. If you enjoy the content, please check out my ASWB test prep courses for the bachelor's, master's, and clinical exams. Each Agents of Change course includes more than 30 key topics that closely match the ASWB KSA content areas. Our content is great for both auditory and visual learners and includes video walkthroughs, supplemental materials, hundreds of practice questions, and twice monthly live study groups with me. You can learn more and get 10 free practice questions at agentsofchangeprep.com. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Agents of Change Social Work Test Prep, and we're very excited today to bring on a special guest. Today, we have Dr. Elizabeth Bowman with us, and she is going to share a little bit of the work that she does with you all today. So um, without further ado, welcome Miss Dr. Elizabeth Bowman. Hi, um, I am Dr. Beth. Um, I am a social work professor in the Master's of Social Work program at Gallaudet, um, and I worked in DC Child Welfare for 10 years, uh, and now I am uh, starting a nonprofit called the Restoring Ivy Collective, which serves sex trafficking survivors, uh, hopefully nationwide as we continue to grow. Uh, as a sex trafficking survivor myself, this work is really, really important to me. So um, I have my master's in social work from Gallaudet and my PhD in social work from Catholic University, um, both of which have been so helpful uh, in addition to the, you know, baptized by fire work that I uh, was trained in, in in child welfare. So uh, being able to serve this population through trauma-informed yoga and uh, some of this, the groups that we run uh, is, is really exciting. Awesome, um, thank you. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you got into this work? And I know that you've founded Restoring Ivy. Could you tell us a little bit more about how this came to be? So the Restoring Ivy Collective is a nonprofit uh, based in DC and PG County. Um, I started this as a survivor-led, uh, full survivor board uh, organization with the hope that we would be able to build a community for female sex trafficking survivors coming out of, out of the industry at all different levels of their change, right? So people that maybe aren't completely all the way ready to leave the life and, and those of us um, board members and other survivor leaders who have been working in the space for a long time, trying to make a difference. Um, I myself have only started sharing some of my story in the last couple of years, uh, but the women that serve on my board have been working in this space collectively for uh, some of them for, for over a decade. So this, um, the, the model of the Restoring Ivy Collective is essentially that 
in order to heal and grow, we need social support. We need each other. We need to connect. Um, and so seeing women who are on the side where they've been able to distance themselves from the life is so critical to believing that that's possible. And, um, and then for those of us who've been out of it for so long, being able to reach back and, and be a part of the restoration of somebody else and, and to help somebody else find that healing and sense of self and, and just being seen as a, as a person that matters is, um, feels like a blessing to me to be able to, to do that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so I know that you've worked in a, a variety of different settings. What is something that you've learned either personally or professionally throughout your work in the social work field? So working in child welfare, um, one of the things that I found was particularly challenging was uh, the rates of burnout and turnover that that uh, you would see in the staff. Um, I was a supervisor in the second half of my child welfare career, and the level of individuals that had stress-related uh, hospitalizations and um, physical health conditions that were exacerbated by stress, like all of this was really problematic. Um, we were exposed to traumatic circumstances on a regular basis, many of us coming to the field with our own traumas, right? And so many people come to social work because they wanna make the world a better place, partially because they've seen some stuff in their own lives that have you know, given them that purpose. And so you know, we collectively as the field of social work, the people that are teaching the MSW programs, the people that are supervising the child welfare and other helping um, profession workers and uh, the administrators and the people making the policies really need to take into account the needs of the staff, not just the, um, the outcome measures or the, the baselines that they're trying to meet, right? Like we, we need to make sure that our staff are treated ethically and considered as, as whole people. So, that, I mean, I think that was one of the things that I really took away from that work was, and that I'm bringing into the work that I'm doing in the Restoring Ivy Collective is, is this idea that like, we are human beings, we are faceted, we have so many things that we bring to the table and some of it's good and some of it makes us um, more vulnerable to you know, that emotional exhaustion and, and that burnout and so, um, considering not just the party line of self-care, but, but how do we care for each other um, as a community of social workers, I think is, is a really critical uh, piece to success in the field. So um, coming from the perspective as a professor, what would you tell your students about being mindful of burnout and self-care? Because I feel like in the field, it's taught a lot, but then when you get into agencies, like you said, you experience the burnout pretty quickly. So how would you encourage people to maybe advocate for their own needs or advocate for change within their agencies or even recognize when they are burnt out? Yeah, so I, I, my dissertation was actually around organizational commitment and, and burnout dynamics in child welfare. So this is a topic that I feel pretty passionately about. Um, I recently have put out um, a publication around sort of wellness models at the organizational level, which 
I have to say, I think is the, the biggest issue, right? We talk about the upstream versus downstream factors, right? We have the people falling in the water versus like, like why are they falling in the water, not just fishing people out of the water, right? Like, so, and I think both are necessary. Um, I think organizations are ultimately responsible uh, when it comes to the the issue of burnout, it's it's not um, it's not to an individual staff members. Um, it's it to blame an individual social worker, and to say you know you are responsible for what's happening to you is unethical and is irresponsible in my opinion. And and I think um, you know while we can talk about self care, and we should right as as human beings in the world, we should constantly be taking our own pulse, right? How do I feel today? Am I anxious? Am I tired? Am I angry? What's going on with me and why? As the whole person, the whole picture of myself, right? Do Are my social needs met? Are my spiritual needs met? Are my physical needs met? Exercise, sleep, food, you know, like do, do all of these parts of myself, have I been nurturing them, right? And if I haven't, that may be a time to set a boundary with people in your life, including your organization that you work for to say, okay, I have to take off today or I cannot answer phones past five anymore uh, because I'm not attending to my own family or I'm not going to bed. And so then I'm not able to think and be able to you know, write these, these notes and these reports. So um, you, know, you can let people know when you're depleted if you're checking up on yourself. And I think so much of the time when you're in that sort of just moving forward survival mode that we have to be as social workers in the field, you may not always be doing those pulse checks. And so I would encourage people to do just sort of a self-scan every morning before you check your email on your phone, before you leave to go out and pick up that kid at that school or whatever, that you're, you're checking in with yourself and saying, okay, how am I doing today? What do I need before you think about what anybody else needs? That's really good advice. Um, coming from the school system, we're, we were very overburdened. Caseloads were just incredibly heavy. Um, and it wasn't until a couple of years in that I actually started to kind of do some of those things that you're saying. I'm like, this is not possible for me to do this. It's affecting my health. And it was to the point where I'm like, I am not feeling effective at all in my own job. And that was the point when I'm like, I need to take a step back from this. If I'm not effective, there, none of this matters, right? I keep coming into work every day, every day, seeing kids, checking the boxes. Did they get their, their minutes that they need on their IEPs, all of that. And like you said, it was kind of staking, taking that step back and realizing, checking in with myself. I was not well. So I think that's that's really important to know what, what you're feeling in your body and what we need to do for ourselves first. So I think that that's really good advice about doing that pulse check. Um, it's, it's hard though, when we're in the trenches, but I always suggest to people that sometimes you need to take a step back. Like you're in the, the grind every day, right? And sometimes it takes like maybe taking a day, a personal day or um, some time to just step away and see how you feel when you've step, you know, taken a step back. So very, very helpful advice, especially in the past couple of years with the pandemic, people are even past, um, you know, where they their tolerance was even more pushed even more than they were. So that's really helpful. Um, kind of building on 
the self-care thing, what is one professional tool or resource that you would suggest to other social workers um, that you've picked up along the way in your career? Professional resource. I mean, I, I, for me, I am the best professional resource that I have, right? I think mm -hmm. for social workers, that is the case. You are your own best resource. And therefore, this idea that I am not worth anything to anybody if I'm not taking care of myself um, is, is the best thing that you can do to increase the likelihood that you will stay at your job and keep helping the people that are there, right? And so um, for me, trauma-informed yoga um, and general yoga, although I, I have been known to be triggered in a yoga class or two that, that is not trauma-informed. Um, so, you know, taking trauma-informed yoga classes, using different expressive therapies. This semester, I'm actually teaching an expressive therapies class on um, dance and sand tray and play and art and um, drama, all of these different types of somatic-based therapies, right, where we don't have to talk we're using our body and, and maybe there's a like a talk period at the end with trauma-informed yoga. Typically there's sort of a debriefing, like what, what came up um, during the physical practice. But for me, I found that the moving through the poses, the stretching out my body, the feeling that I was doing something to take care of myself, even at that meta level, right? That like this practice is for me and therefore I appreciate it more and I'm reinforcing the idea that I take care of myself as a belief about what I do for me, right? And it makes me want to eat better, makes me want to, you know, like depending on when I do it, I might go to sleep afterwards. Like, so I, um, I, yoga was something that increased that mindfulness. And during the process of the yoga, I'm constantly scanning. What am I feeling right now? What's going on? Um, and so you can, you know, may just be my hamstrings are tight, but, but you're noticing where in my body am I feeling this? Where in my mind am I feeling these feelings? And so you increase your ability to be mindful overall when you practice mindfulness in that sort of practice, right? You learn how to do it and then you can apply it to other parts of your life, like that body scan I talked Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So if someone was interested in trauma-informed or trauma-informed yoga, how would they go about finding a class that offers it? Um, so I would check local yoga studios. Um, a lot of yoga studios do have um, classes that may have teachers who are trauma-informed, right? And so they should say something about that on their website. I will say um, there are more and more therapists that are doing this also. So you can look for a therapist that provides trauma-informed yoga, either individually or as a group. Um, do not equate uh, gentle or yin yoga with uh, trauma-informed yoga. Those are not necessarily trauma-informed, uh, they can be, right? But um, 
but typically trauma-informed yoga classes move a little faster because sitting still for long periods of time uh, is, is challenging when you have high levels of trauma. So, um, and trauma-informed doesn't necessarily mean that you have, you know, massive numbers of ACEs and, and other, uh, you know, complex trauma stuff that you're dealing with, right? But um, it just means that it's taking into account the experience of people who are traumatized and therefore if you have vicarious trauma or other stuff that's going on because of your job it's going to be a little bit more sensitive to the fact that maybe you don't want to be touched maybe you um are having a hard time laying for long periods of time on your mat that kind of stuff it it creates more space for the individual experience than a typical yoga class awesome Good, um, good to know and good to note that gentle yoga is not the same as trauma-informed because I know people often think those go hand in hand, but they're just different styles and different approaches. Yes. Yes. Awesome. We're going to shift gears a little bit. Um, so I kind of have a new set of questions for you. Um, so obviously we are agents of change and we're trying to inspire people to be change agents in society. How are you an agent of, cha an agent of change um, and how have you displayed being a change agent in your career? Well, I, I like to think that I don't really know how to be anything other than an agent of change um, between child welfare, social work and uh, supervision in child welfare, social work. And um, the you know clinical work that I've done as a as a therapist, teaching social work students how to become you know, the soldiers of the social work field, and now working in in sex trafficking, uh, well anti sex trafficking space in in social work. I, I feel like the way that I look at the world is framed by the belief that anyone can change mm -hmm. the right supports with the right community with um with help uh in the right places and and i think um i believe that i have gone through massive changes since my young days when i was sex trafficked and addicted to drugs and all of the things that I went through as, as a young person to the fancy professor lady you see sitting video. Um, I believe everybody is capable of change. And the work that I did with moms and their children in foster care was informed by that belief that those women, whether by circumstance or mental health or, you know, whatever had had gotten into a situation where their children were maltreated. They were capable of being safe with their kids, of protecting their kids. And, you know, all of these um, beliefs about motherhood, I, I believe that they were capable of that. And so I went into those meetings with moms, helping them to see themselves as I saw them, which was, just as good as me, right? Like that I wasn't any different and I didn't share my past at the time, but that really framed out for me a lot of my, my work. Um, and I think that it's really critical if you are going to be an agent of change 
to believe that the people that you're helping are capable of that change. And so, and it may not be your definition of success. It may not be your definition of, um, of health or mental health or, you know, whatever your, like the house with the white picket fence, whatever, that may not be their goal. And, and so, you know, but, but being able to meet that person where they are, helping them to find their best self and believing in them through the painful process where they might be nasty and they might be, they might stumble and screw up and, you know, regress and whatever else. Like we have to believe that an individual is capable of change if we want to be a part of that change process or we have no business doing it. And um, so, you know, with the work that I'm doing in, in the anti-trafficking field now, part of my sharing of my story, I feel like is critical to understanding why I feel so viscerally that anyone can change. Because if I didn't believe that, how could I be sitting here, right? How could I have been where I was and be where I am and not believe that people can grow and can change and can find their way to whatever their path may be. And it may look very different from mine, but I, I want to be able to sit with someone and say, listen, like, I know where you've been. I've been in some dark places too. And here I stand because I was willing to stumble and I had people willing to hold my hand while I did it. And I want to be that hand for somebody else. And, and I think um, as agents of change, we have this amazing opportunity to be there for somebody's period of growth, for period of transformation. Um, and it may not always happen. And we mm-hmm. may be disappointed sometimes, right? Which contributes to burnout and all of that. But, but we need to be willing to be there for it and to show up. Yeah, I want to thank you for sharing that. I think it was had a very good perspective. And I just really like how you touched on that this is your mindset. This is your being. You are an agent of change. And I think that that's so in that's so important to remember that there's a reason why we got into this field. Um, so kind of going off of that, um, do you have maybe one piece of advice you would give to someone? starting new in the field? They're, they're fresh to the field, they're right out of grad school. What's one piece of advice that you'd give someone that, you know, having some years of experience under your belt, um, you think would be helpful for someone um, more novice to know? So I, I tend to tailor this advice to my students based on their interests. And so I know you have a very wide range of audience um, one piece I would of advice I would really like people to consider is to go into child welfare social work. And I know it's not for everybody, but there, it, there is a huge need um, and you really do get to be an agent of change in that field. I, th- I think that it's um, the people that, that go in and have enough grit in their belly to, to stick it out. Uh, it, it, it takes a lot, but it, it gives you so much. And when you leave, you can do anything. So um, going into child welfare, social work would be one piece of advice and, and related to what I talked about before, boundaries, taking care of yourself in any social work field that you go into, really considering 
what it is that you need um, and, and, and figuring out how to give that to yourself every day so that you can keep showing up and continuing creating that change in the world. Awesome. And then my uh, last thing before we wrap up, um, how could, if social workers are interested in the field that you are in, how could they maybe start to learn more or get involved? Are there other organizations out there? How can they be more informed about this space of social work? So there's a lot of work being done right now in the anti-trafficking world. Um, I would encourage them to reach out to the Safe House Project, um, who has a really wide reaching network of um, different types of, of trafficking, anti-trafficking organizations that they work with uh, across the country. So depending on where they are, uh, feel free to reach out to me in the in the DC region. Uh, our website is the restoringivcollective.org. Uh, so without the V, it's actually just restoringivcollective.org. Okay. Uh, and so feel free to reach out to me there. Um, but Safe House Project has, like I say, a, a wide range of, of networks that they could keep them in touch with if students are looking to get involved in their local area. Awesome. Um, and we will be sure to share your website with everyone on the podcast so that they can um, check it out and um, kind of reach out if they need to. Um, but I want to thank you um, for taking the time today to kind of allow me to pick your brain and to share your experiences. Um, I think you had a lot of really important perspective to give. Um, and it like coming from the schools, I think the area of work that you're you're doing is something that a lot of people don't know about. Um, so it's really, really important that that work is out there and that perspective is out there. So I want to thank you for sharing that today with our community. And I want to thank you for your time. Great. Thanks so thank much you. for having me on.